This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the Big D Breakdown, your home for all things Dallas Cowboys news. Welcome to the Big D Breakdown. I'm your host, Larry Lease. Today we're diving into the latest news from around AT&T Stadium and the Dallas Cowboys. But first, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Pondex, for sponsoring this episode. If you're a podcaster looking to grow your audience, whether you're a sports podcaster, news podcaster, politics, any kind of podcaster, you want to grow your audience and get more engagement, check out Pondex today. Visit Pondex.com and use the promo code Larry21 to save you 10% off your order. We'd also like to thank Game Time for sponsoring this episode. If you're looking for the best place to buy your tickets, come on down to Game Time. Use the link in the description and you can support the show when you purchase your tickets. And now on to today's studs and duds from the preseason finale. Preseason week three in the books for the Cowboys who closed out their exhibition games with a narrow win over the Seattle Seahawks. They spent much of the game playing from behind, but a late game drive allowed them to sneak out a win. Of course, that's not what's important in the preseason. What matters is who can prove they belong on the team, which is what this finale was all about. Today, we look back at the game and highlight who stood out as studs and duds for the Cowboys. Starting off, Peyton Hendershot, a stud at tight end, needing a Needing a big game while battling for the number three tight end spot, Peyton Hendershot didn't disappoint. Undrafted out of Indiana, Hendershot had his best game of the preseason. The ball came his way seven times. While he caught just three of them, that wasn't his fault. There was a play early in the game where he had a touchdown. But Will Greer hesitated in throwing him the ball. He made up for it later, catching a 14-yard touchdown from Ben DiNucci to put Dallas up 27-26 just over four minutes left to play. That proved to be the game winner for Hendershot, who might have locked up the final spot in a suddenly talented position. Next up for a stud, Israel Makumu. He's entering his second season in the NFL, and the converted safety looks ready to make a huge leap. The South Carolina product picked off his second pass of the preseason, setting up the Cowboys for their first points of the day. Right now, he feels like a lot to be the number four guy in the safety core. Should see some, see many more snaps that he has as a rookie. Next up on our list, stud Sean Wright as a CB. 
He started off slow against the Seattle Seahawks before finding his footing. He was called for a pass interference on the opening drive and was hit with another in the second quarter. Although that second flag was highly questionable, on that play he seemed to be in position, and when he turned his head to look for the ball, the player's feet got tangled up. The second-year cornerback didn't allow this to ruin his night. He continued to fight through and wound up with an interception late in the second quarter. On that play, he read Drew Locke's eyes and came off his man and jumped in front of Penny Hart to snatch the ball away. Dallas was down 13-3 at the time, but Wright set them up for a touchdown right before the half, cutting the lead down to three. And now for your dud, starting off with Isaac Alarcon. In the preseason opener, Isaac was one of the few bright spots for Dallas. Their offensive line was bullied and flagged throughout the night in a one-sided affair. Since then, things have gone in a different direction, and Friday night was a rough one for them. He allowed pressure up the middle on the opening drive that didn't allow Cooper Rush to scan the field. The replay showed that Kevante Turpin was running free after beating his man, but Rush wasn't able to get the ball off with the pressure in his face. On top of that, he was flagged twice for holding. And then he suffered an injury in the fourth quarter, capping off a frustrating night for the young lineman. Next up, stud Sam Williams. Rookie Sam Williams recorded a sack on a second and 20 play, beating Charles Cross, even though it appeared he was being held and got no flag. His sack pushed Seattle back 14 yards, setting up a third and 34, forcing them to settle for getting better field position rather than thinking about going for six. Williams is known for his talent as a pass rusher, but he also showed up against the run in this one. About midway through the second quarter, Williams fought through a block as he and Sean Wright converted on the homer, stuffing him for no gain on third and one. In all, he had five tackles, two going for a loss, along with a sack. He did get called for roughing the passer penalty when he pushed Locke to the ground after the pass, which is something he needs to clean up going forward. And a dud, we got Josh Ball. Josh Ball is suddenly in the spotlight for Dallas. When Tyron Smith tore his hamstring and needed surgery, Ball found himself in line to start. That's what happened on Friday night as he was in at left tackle and struggled throughout the night. On just the second play of the game, he was flagged for being an ineligible man downfield. He was also beaten several times, and even though he wasn't terrible overall, he was lined up against an undrafted free agent from Joshua... Anujogu. Apologies for butchering that names wrong. If he wasn't able to push around a 252-pounder with no NFL experience, he's going to struggle against experienced defensive ends. Jerry Jones can say all he wants that they're comfortable with their line as it stands, but if they're not about to kick Tyler Smith out to left tackle, they should probably look at some other options. Let us know in the comment section below, is there anybody that we missed that you would consider a stud or a dud? And of course, hit that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up if you like our video. Or even a thumbs down. It's your choice. And subscribe to the channel. Hit the bell notification button to be notified of future videos. And of course, if you want to support the channel, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash the big D. And now moving on to our next topic, why the Cowboys should have used the franchise tag on Schultz. All 
I believe it's time for the Dallas Cowboys front office to think about how they made the decision to use the money saved by releasing right tackle A.L. Collins to put tight end Dalton Schultz on the franchise tag. In my opinion, this was a mistake that the front office needs to avoid making again. Right now, their situation at swing tackle is far from ideal, and they have tight ends Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershit both possibly making the final roster, giving them a wealth of depth and tight end. We know that there were other factors involved in the decision to release Collins outside of just his health and availability on game day, but to put a $10.9 million price tag on a tight end that can make plays in the passing game but is a liability at times in the running game isn't the right move. This is especially true for a team that is relying on depth at one of the most important positions on the field, tackle. The replacement options are very dismal, too. One is a 2021 draft pick, Josh Ball, who was out all of last season with an ankle injury. The other is 2022 draft pick, Matt Wiletsko, who is currently out with a serious shoulder injury. International player Isaac Alarcon has had a few nice moments, but nothing strong enough to warrant a starting job. This was all true and scary before Tyron Smith went down with a brutal hamstring injury. Last Wednesday, the Cowboys knew Smith's durability was always a liability, but now the injury bug has reared its ugly head far sooner than most thought it would. Zach Martin and Terrence Steele are the only solid pieces of the offensive line with meaningful experience at the moment right now. And that's scary for an offense that wants to still rely heavily on the run. If they truly do believe that Steele gives them the best opportunity to win starting a right tackle, that's fine. But unless you have someone of a guarantee that the person replacing Collins as your swing tackle, then you don't make that move. Effective offensive linemen are tough to find in the NFL. Serviceable tight ends can be found a lot easier. That was proven in what the Cowboys were able to find during the draft and after the draft of Ferguson and Hendershot. We know that Cowboys don't have a magic wand with the ability to go back in time, but if they did, they would surely be changing the way the situation is played out. Unless someone decides to release or trade an experienced tackle with the ability to play on both the left and right side, this will be a lingering issue all season, one that Prescott can't afford to think about before each snap. The Cowboys should have kept Collins altogether or used the franchise tag money to get a legitimate veteran offensive line option on the depth chart. Because they didn't, Prescott, Elliott, Pollard, and the entire offense will feel the negative effects of the front office's poor decision-making all year long. Let us know your thoughts on this topic in the comments section below. And now on to our next topic. NFL Network analysts are not worried about the Cowboys' penalties that were made in the offseason, which uh, might be a concern for some. Sadly, the Dallas Cowboys' penalties have become synonymous in the last year. They were the most penalized team in the entire league last year with 127 in the regular season. As if that weren't enough, they brought the lack of discipline into the playoffs, collecting a total of 14 flags, which tied for the highest number of penalties during a playoff game in NFL history. With a serious focus on cleaning up the yellow laundry this year, Mike McCarthy assured Cowboys Nation that 
penalties would be a serious offseason focus. Ironically, the front office drafted one of the most penalized players in all of college football with their first-round pick, Tyler Smith. But there was still hope. That hope was squashed when the Cowboys went out and collected 17 penalties in their first preseason game. That doesn't include times when there were multiple flags on one play or times when the Broncos declined a penalty. From pre-snap penalties to special teams to everywhere in between, it was a mess. Some argue that it's just the preseason and no one should be focusing too closely on these games. Others, like ESPN's Mike Tonnebaum, said McCarthy is writing his own death sentence with a continued lack of discipline. The team at NFL Network's Total Access doesn't agree with ESPN. In a recent segment titled The Preseason Panic Room, the crew discussed whether people should be hitting the panic button on the Cowboys penalty situation. And if you look at the list, most penalties in first preseason game this year, Cowboys are at the top at 17 with 129 yards. And the least falls to the Chargers with only nine. After game two of the season, the Cowboys had a total of 25 penalties. Having only eight flags in game two is an improvement. And we can hope this is just early jitters, but there's no way to know. How do you feel about the penalty situation? Will things be better when the regular season starts? Let us know. And now, on to our next topic. And of course, we turn our attention to Micah Parsons. And ESPN, shockingly, projects Micah Parsons' sack total to actually decline this season. But before we dive into that topic, let us know in the comments section below, what do you think? Will this sack total fall, or will he be able to break the uh, record for most sacks in a season? There are a lot of high expectations for the linebacker Micah Parsons this season. After a show-stopping rookie campaign, the football world is wondering if the defensive rookie of the year is a one-hit wonder or an NFL legend in the making. It's fair to say most believe the latter. Parsons shows zero signs of slowing down, and his peers voted him among the top 20 players in the league heading into 2022. The preseason has done nothing but impress and shown that he is virtually unblockable. It feels like every practice, one of the beat reporters says something along the lines of, if Parsons was allowed to sack and finishes with some high numbers of how many times he'd have sat down Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, or even Dak, Parsons narrowly missed out on winning Defensive Player of the Year last year behind T.J. Watt, and that's likely because the Steeler tied the NFL sack record. The difference between the two defenders is that the Cowboys linebacker is a versatile player. He was seen taking snaps at linebacker, defensive end, and even cornerback last year. If Parsons' sole job was to pressure the quarterback, he likely would have had way more sacks. Now, we already know the Cowboys have vehemently said they do not want to move Parsons permanently to the defensive end position. Regardless of his skill and agility, Seth Walder of ESPN Analytics seems to think the 23-year-old sack numbers will drop this year and believes Parsons will only have 10 sacks. We all know the linebackers out there trying to break the sack record. 
he even told reporters he wants 15 as a minimum. 15 is quite a lofty goal, but projecting him to have three fewer sacks than last year with more experience and time in the league doesn't feel right. You can say the teams will have his number and be more prepared for the linebacker, but his Swiss Army knife ability to move all over the field will likely keep teams guessing. To be fair, every single one of the top 10 defenders that Walder listed in his article are projecting downward. So it's not like he just thinks Parsons will suffer. Even Watt is expected to drop from 22.5 to 12.8. For what it's worth, the factors used to make these predictions were prior sack totals, projected snaps, pass rush win rate, and how often the team's defensive coach blitzes, and how often the opposing quarterbacks on the schedule get sacked, a player's team win total, and how often a player rushes from the edge. In this scenario, Parsons is protected, predicted excuse me, to end fifth in sack totals, behind Watt, Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, and Trey Hendrickson. Do you think the Cowboys linebacker will have more or less than his 13 sacks from last season? And now on to our next topic, which is a bit surprising for some. The Cowboys are making a strategic move by eliminating all their backup quarterbacks. But they have reasoning behind that move. One of the biggest storylines from Tuesday was finding out who the Dallas Cowboys would choose as their backup quarterback. The battle was between Ben DiNucci, Will, and Cooper Rush, with Will and Cooper being clear leaders. Many assumed one of the three would be kept on the roster as the surefire backup to Dak Prescott. Instead, all three ended up being waived or released. DiNucci wasn't the biggest surprise as he was out on Monday. However, many thought the team decided that Rush was the backup when Will got waived Tuesday morning. Minutes later, ESPN's Todd Archer revealed that Rush was being released too, leaving the team with Dak Prescott as the only quarterback on the 53-man roster. Obviously, this is all part of raw manipulation as the team works to get things finalized before the 3 p.m. deadline. The thought is that Rush will return to the team as he does not have to go through waivers. Will does have to take the chance to be picked up by another NFL team, and if he doesn't, he'll likely join the Cowboys practice squad. While it's risky to let both of your backups go to fill up roster space, this is par for the course. Franchises use today's roster deadline to prioritize players they feel wouldn't make it through waivers. The Cowboys simply believe the quarterback spot is a place to do that, and they feel confident that they can get at least one of these guys back after today's cutdowns. A similar move happened with their kicker when the team chose to waive him Tuesday. The team technically doesn't have a kicker on the 53-man roster right now, but the thought is that no one will pick him up and the team currently needs to make space for IR moves. The front office fully expects Brett to be the week one kicker. Will has been working through a groin injury in the preseason. but has shown his ability to be a mobile quarterback who can get the job done. He was a former third-round pick by the Panthers, and Dallas claimed him off waivers last year. He hasn't played in a regular season game since his rookie year in 2019. Rush, on the other hand, has much more experience in the system. He's thrown for over 400 yards and three touchdowns for the Cowboys. 
Many know him for the monumental win he was able to pull out against the Minnesota Vikings last season in Prescott's absence. The hope, of course, is that Prescott stays healthy enough for none of this to actually matter. But for now, Prescott is the only quarterback on the roster. Before we go, let us know your thoughts on the topics we covered in the comments section below. Give us a thumbs up if you like our video. And if you want to support the channel, you can buy us a coffee. Find me at coffee.com slash the big D. Your support helps the channel grow, upgrade our equipment, and hopefully take this show on the road. And as always, thank you so much for watching and listening. We will see you next time. This has been the Big D Breakdown with your host, Larry Lees. Thank you for listening and watching. Follow us on social media at Big D Breakdown on Twitter, Facebook, New Big D Breakdown, and on Instagram. Just search the Big D Breakdown. Thank you for joining us. See you next time.